I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from Dogs 24-7. And uh, Georgia's coming off a win. Uh, it wasn't what everybody wanted. It definitely wasn't how we predicted it. Uh, 31-24. Um, really did not expect it to go down that way. Uh, Georgia could not run the ball. Had a hard time for two and a half quarters. Really stopping Mississippi State. Slowed them down. I mean, Mississippi State had to earn every yard for the most part, except for one big pass play. But uh, Georgia made them earn the rest of it, and then finally got it going on defense, and and came up with four straight stops to to secure the win. But the big story is J T. Daniels, thirty uh, thirty eight pass attempts, he completed twenty eight of them for four hundred and one yards and four touchdowns, and that's the only place to start. Rusty, uh, what were your thoughts on on J T. Daniels' performance, and and does it shock you? Does it surprise you that after a fifteen month layoff? He comes out and kind of puts the team on his shoulders a little bit and and does what he does. Yeah, certainly does. You know, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I was there and I had a good view, I had an elevated view of that game. So I got to see it unfold and we could talk a lot about this game, but but Mississippi State basically made JT Daniels beat them and he did. I mean, Jake, they you know what I know. They were in that box. I mean Georgia was not going to run the ball, and they were going to man up those wide receivers. And I don't think that Mississippi State quite knew uh, what Jermaine Burton could do. Obviously, George Pickens got involved early, but they gave Jermaine Burton and JT Daniels some opportunities one-on-one, and he made them pay. Made them pay against Karis Jackson. I mean, there was some throws that – were 50-50 balls that Georgia made, which were great. There were some underthrown balls that Georgia made, and there was some absolute dimes this kid dropped. So I'm always that, let's be more realistic. You know, it was a game of, of um, you got to be careful. You know, Georgia fans are so desperate to solve these quarterback issues. I mean, the, you just got to be a, a little bit careful with this thing. You know, I've seen some crazy stuff in the last 24 hours posted. You know, this guy's won national championship, Heisman's. I mean, just let the kid play, you know. But I'll tell you this, that sample size that we got on Saturday, there was a lot of positives. And i tell you what, if I'm a wide receiver at Georgia right now, I'm extremely happy about what I saw because he took some shots. The run game is something that is going to have to be fixed because Georgia is not going to win bigger games against better teams. Running like that, that was. If I'd have told Jake and Kip, I'd told you those stats on the running, we would have all borrowed every dime of our four hundred one k, every dime we get out of our parents' four hundred one ks, everybody we could borrow money from to double down on that bet. We would have because 
I'm talking about the money line, the win line, uh, because that that was that was shocking what they did to Georgia up front. And those are some questions remain. That secondary certainly gave up some shots, but I think at the end of the day, Jake, you're absolutely right. The story is JT Daniels. I think there was some things that fire you up if you're a Georgia fan. And I think there's some things in the job that we do. We got to caution you a little bit to let's let this kid play and let's let him, you know, get back into the groove of things and, and see where he is in a couple of weeks. But what a outstanding game one after a lengthy, lengthy layoff. Absolutely. And one of the first thoughts that came to mind was kind of the difference between the 2016 and 2017 season for me. Because it seemed like after every single game in 2016, and I know Jacob Eason was a freshman. I'm not trying to sit here and say he was bad or anything like that. He was asked to do a lot and uh, came through in some situations clearly. Uh, But after that 2016 season, you saw so many balls, whether it was Reggie Davis here or – or Isaiah McKenzie there, or you saw so many throws that Georgia missed its layups. And you saw that that year to year where Fromm kind of came in next year and 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 he tapered off toward the end of his career and, and, and got a little bit more inefficient with the deep ball. But he came in in 2017, and that's what he provided that 2017 team. And one of the reasons it was so good was because he did throw the ball downfield so well when Georgia got a guy open behind the defense – he got it to him, and, and they made the play. And game to game, you saw that same thing here is, is Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett missed two, three, four, maybe even five big layups against Florida with chances to, to get chunk plays. And JT Daniels didn't miss any, miss any of them. He may have missed one, but then that one came back for a defensive pass interference on, on George Pickens. He had Pickens open behind the defense and underthrew it a little bit. Uh, but but that was a huge difference in this game because Georgia was getting wins on the outside and on the inside, and JT Daniels was was making was making uh, Mississippi State pay for it. And I'm not concerned about the run game in the slightest because I feel like I, it doesn't shock me that Georgia struggled to run the ball. It does surprise me that they struggled as much as they did. But when you look at how Georgia ran the ball against Auburn and especially late against Tennessee and Alabama, uh, Kentucky, Florida. Um, I think the offensive line has kind of shown you enough to know that that's not anything more than a bad game from them. And and, and I also think that Mississippi State, um, the way they play defense, it directly correlates with the success JT Daniels was able to have because they went zero coverage, attacked the line of scrimmage, slanted, stunted, did stuff with their linebackers. And Georgia still got beat up front and didn't play well against in the run game. But Mississippi State also committed a lot of resources to make sure that that even when there was some movement at the point of attack, it was a three, four-yard gain instead of that 15, 20-yard burst in the run game. Um, but but I, I, that's that's not a big concern for me. We'll get into the defense a little bit later on. Uh, but, Kip, uh, anything specific about JT Daniels' performance stand out to you? It's just overall, I think this is what, you know, kind of coming into the season, this is this is what we expected to see against Arkansas. I think just the the ball coming out quickly, you you had, you know, RPOs that, that gave Pickens catches early on in the game. 
Pickens being fe- featured to begin with, I mean, th- this was kind of what we expected. It hasn't been, you know, the year that any of us projected for George Pickens, but that game is what we that's what we thought would happen. And just also just seeing multiple screens, the offensive play calling, the, you know, uh moving the pocket around, deep shots on play action. Um, I think I mean, Jake projected how this game would go early on just in our last pod talking about how, you know, JT was going to have to, you know, get rid of some rust. And early on in the game, you know, he had a couple throws that he would love to have back now, but he shook that off and got in the groove. And I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the best quarterback performances we've seen at Georgia in, in some time. I don't know what the grade would be or whatever, but I'd imagine it's going to be pretty hot. He just had big time throws and he got comfortable and his confidence in the pocket got better as the game progressed. And so I, I think that, you know, there were several plays that kind of stood out, but overall, you know, it was just very, it has to, you have to be encouraged by what you saw from him. I think that, you know, again, the lack of mobility as he's you know still trying to get to hundred percent, you saw that impact the run game and, you know, that they knew what to expect Mississippi State did in in the backfield. But overall, I think it, for a guy that hadn't played an actual game in over a year, that's as good as performance you're ever going to see. Yeah, there's there's really there's really two ways to kind of look at this. And, and, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, and we've got to get into this, um, you know, there's the – why didn't JT Daniels play sooner? Why wasn't he the guy sooner? And, you know, I feel like Kirby Smart is kind of catching some heat by saying, well, there's 20, I have 25 years of coaching experience. There are some people kind of being like, don't, you know, like taking it as don't question me. Um, I think Kirby kind of squashed that part of it whenever he said, uh, you know, he can absolutely understand why somebody would ask that question. I mean, it's – I don't think he's trying to silence anybody by saying the coach, the coaching experience, but I, am, I do think that's kind of his backup here and Todd Munkin and the rest of the offensive staff. And, uh, you know, there, there's the schools of thought here. There's the two schools of thought that JT Daniels was, was held back and that he should have been Georgia's starting quarterback for however long. And I thought it was really interesting that Kirby Smart acknowledged after the game that things went downhill with the other quarterbacks. Um, that's as close as you're going to get to him – basically criticizing uh, a player like that or, or criticizing uh, not not necessarily an effort but a performance of a guy but then you also have to kind of take this into account did did you know maybe it was a game off or a half off or whatever but did they kind of get him in there at the perfect time and you know I t- I kind of tend to lean towards the latter because you know everything you'd been hearing and Rusty you were hearing the same thing was that that JT Daniels was healthy and JT Daniels wasn't in danger of hurting himself anymore, but JT Daniels wasn't ready to win the starting job. Okay. And there, there's a big difference between the two. I know fans, I know you guys out there, I know you're, you know, you want Georgia to win, you're rabid, you want it bad, right? But at the same time, like a guy being able to go out there and not injure himself further is not necessarily a guy who has worked himself back into being 
you know, near the top of his game or, or, or even 80% to the top of his game. You know, a lot of these injuries happen, and you talk about it with running backs and cornerbacks and defensive ends. Uh, Charles Grant was a great example. Uh, Robert Edwards was a great example at Georgia. Uh, you know, Nick Chubb, I know his injury was, was really severe, but, but he's an example. Sony Michelle took a couple of years. All of these skill position players, everybody talks about, well, it's, it's a 24-month injury. Once you're 18 to 24 months away from that injury, then you kind of get back to yourself. And I feel like that got ignored with JT Daniels, that everybody just kind of expected that, hey, you know what? He's cleared. He's ready to roll. Let's go with JT Daniels. He's going to be the guy. He should be He should be performing at a high level. And you saw it start to creep in, guys, with people saying, well, I, I don't think JT Daniels is very good. If he can't pass these guys in practice, he's just not very good. And who are saying that are, are now saying, we should have been playing sooner. And I understand that criticism, but at the same time, it's – it, it seems to me, Rusty, that what we were hearing is is was was spot on in a lot of ways, and and that's what we were hearing, guys. It's not like I'm not saying Rusty and myself went out there and watched it and gleaned it from ourselves, and we're geniuses. We have to rely on what people tell us because we don't get to see practice. But to me, Rusty, it really it really seems like they kind of brought him along slowly, and yeah, it may have been a game late, it may have been a half late, it may have been the two weeks that he had to jump into the starting role was the time to do it. I really don't know, but it's hard to argue with the fact that he was put in a position to have some success, right? Jake, that's an obvious question that everybody wants to talk about. And I'll say this, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it all falls on Kirby Smart, but this is an offensive staff. You know, Todd Monken, everybody, Buster Faulkner's involved with this. As an offensive staff, you decide who gives you the best opportunity based off what you've seen when you're trying to make this move. Uh, Health-wise, you know, Ron Corson involved with this. It's it's We may never know. I mean, we may never know when, when he was exactly ready. I know he made the comment he was ready after Arkansas. And look, at the point of that, it was Stetson Bennett's team. It was clearly Stetson Bennett's team. It was clearly – Stetson Bennett's team until probably after the Alabama game. Because let's don't forget now, the first half, Georgia is leading Alabama. So a Stetson Bennett team was beating Alabama at halftime. And then things just kind of unraveled uh, the next couple of games after that. So, uh, Jake, you were, you've been on top of this from day one. You know, he started getting more increased reps. Was he ready against Florida? I, I don't know. I mean, he had to be close. But um, obviously he didn't get in the game. So, you take the bye week and you get an extra bye week. So you had two extra weeks to get him mentally prepared, get him physically prepared, and and it is what it is. I mean, I know Georgia – and here, I'll say it right now. I don't know if Georgia can beat them with JT Daniels because Florida was carving them up. I mean, and in the – you know, the, we can talk about the wheel routes, the secondary – I mean, like it or not, Florida's a damn good football team, and they've got a senior quarterback that is absolutely dialed in, and they are hot right now. Uh, probably been, you know, who knows? It's all – but to me, I'm so about sample size. We talked about every single week with Stetson Bennett, we're getting more and more samples, okay? And this is what we're getting out of JT Daniels. So, at the end of the day, do we know why he didn't play earlier? We don't. But – we do know it's a process and getting him there, and you just don't throw a kid out. And I'll say this. 
you know, I saw Kirby Smart comment on this, and I saw a lot of reaction, a lot of reaction to it, and I understand it, and I get it. But Kirby Smart had a good, pretty good point at the time. They got this kid, and they got this kid when they had J- when they had Jamie Newman. So, you know, if this kid comes in, if Daniels comes in, lights it up for four games, and then next year he's the guy, and he does great things for Georgia, what a hell of a get for this staff to go out and get him because I know at one point uh, Tennessee thought they had him. And, you know, maybe where's Tennessee right now with JT Daniels? So, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered down the line. But right now I think Georgia fans need to, uh, you know, just just be cautious a little bit with him and let's let this kid play out and not put so many expectations on him. But I'll tell you, I'll say it again, it was a hell of a game one performance. And, man, he made some throws that the Georgia fans have been desperate to see for a while. Kip, you got anything to add there? Just the post-game quote from JT that stood out to me. I mean, he, you know, he thanks Ron Corson and talking about waiting until he was really ready to play. And they people have picked apart that quote, just talking about the fact that he got cleared for game two and that he was ready. But, I mean, the last part of that quote told you all you needed to know. And it was – he started out by saying he had progressed since then and – the end of it. We're still progressing every week to try to get to full strength and full health back, end quote. Right there. The fact that it was a physical progression every week. So he may, again, the the reason why this has been discussed ad nauseum is because of him being cleared and Kirby saying that he was cleared and right, you know, he could play, but not seeing the field. That's the whole season. I mean, if it had come out that he just w- was not physically cleared, the question would still get asked each week: When when will he be cleared? But you would know he's not cleared yet, and that's really what everyone has kind of struggled with. And the point is, that we've said on this pod so many times that being cleared isn't the same as, as being completely ready to go out there and play, and. JT confirmed that in that quote that he it was a progression. You know, we don't know what percentage it was. You know, it was 60, 65%. Now he's 70%. He you know, he would have been out there and he would have played against Missouri the week before had that game gone as scheduled. And, and that's you know, that's when he was ready to go out there. That's when Ron Corson and the and the coaching staff thought he was ready to to go out there and perform. And, you know, at a level conducive to helping Georgia win, the you know the only issue is he went out there and performed basically better than you know any quarterback has in in a Georgia game, you know statistically in a long time. And so that's you know if that was seventy percent of JT Daniels, you know maybe sixty fifty five percent would have been good enough to to win, you know to to beat Florida. And I understand that, but. I mean, this was a decision made with a lot of people involved, you know, all, a lot of eyes on him. And I think it's clear that, you know, he's ready now. Instead of looking back and thinking what could have been, I think the the more productive thing for everyone would be to look forward and, and see what still can be, not just the rest of the season, but as Rusty said, next season. And looking at, you know, <laughs> the wide receiver group, and seeing 
you know, what could be if you have all these guys on the field, all the, all these weapons, uh, this offense could really get a lot of things done in 2021. I'm going to clear something up, speak for Rusty here just a second before we jump into a break. When Rusty says that Stetson Bennett's team, what he means is Stetson Bennett had a firm grasp on the on the starting quarterback job, sure, and sure. and he was getting all the first team reps, and and that's just how it was going. I I, I mean I, I think some folks have taken Rusty to mean, uh, you know Stetson had taken control or that Stetson was playing at such a high level he was basically owning the whole thing. It's it it wasn't like I mean that's that's not it. It was basically that that Stetson had a firm grasp on the on the position then, but we kept telling you over and over again that the competition was was not over, and there was really no end in sight for the competition because you never really got the feeling, even though Stetson had played really well against Auburn and had played t- well at times against Tennessee, good first half against Alabama, that he was the long term solution at the quarterback position. You were going to need to see that to believe it, and uh, and it didn't turn out to be the case. And now it looks like JT Daniels is the long term solution at the quarterback position as long as he stays healthy and continues to get better. Uh, let's jump into a break real quick. On the other side, let's talk about the defense a little bit and kind of the challenges they faced against Mississippi State and the the late wake up call they got. And uh, we we can't we can't get out of this podcast without talking about the receivers and 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 specifically Jermaine Burton and uh, what what happened at that position. So uh, let's uh, let's pay the bills real quick. We'll be back on the other side. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, before we before we dig deeper into the offense, Rusty, the defense. Now, coming into this game, zone defense had given Mississippi State all sorts of problems. Now, I don't know if they worked on it for two weeks or what. I thought Will Rogers was outstanding. I thought those receivers, all those bang-bang catches they made while getting hit, um, you know, some of the ones they caught going to the ground. Mississippi State deserves a lot of credit. But at the end of the day, Georgia didn't get red zone stops, and uh, it gave up a big play or two. Well, what's your evaluation of how the defense played? Jake, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I was maintained on this board. And, you know, I sit in some meetings and right after our convention in March with some of our national guys in Nashville before we left. And, and I told Bud Elliott and Barton Simmons, I said, this, this could be Kirby Smart's best defense he ever has. I mean, they got dudes all over the place. They got depth. They got the right amount of senior guys. Now, let me be clear before I go off the deep end on this defense. Um, there, there's certain people that you don't replace. And, and and you remember when when this team lost Roquan Smith, I think me and Jake for certain were like, listen, guys, I don't care who it is. It's going to be a drop-off. This was an elite, elite, top 10, whatever it was, NFL draft pick. And Georgia has recruited five stars and done it. They still haven't replaced Roquan. And the difference was because he was that special. What they've got in the middle right now with Jordan Davis they're not going to replace him for a little while. They got some really talented dudes, but what he does in the game is, and what he makes people behind him that much better. You know, it, look, it's going to take a little while to replace something like that. Then you got a Richard LeCount, who is such a valuable, energetic player that drives the momentum on that side of the ball, and you take him out, and you get some things that happen. Now, some guys got to make some plays. They got to do this. They got to do that. But I'm telling you, uh, they're missing two huge pieces of the puzzle right now and uh, two likely very high NFL draft picks. Uh, Jordan Davis, I would be shocked if he goes out of the first. You know, a lot of people talk to me about LeCount, and everybody wants to see Richard run. So we'll we'll see where where he is there. But I still think Richard would be a top-four-round draft pick at the end of the day. Uh, Jordan is definitely going to be in the first, or if not, he's not going past the second unless something pops up on him, injury or something. So they're missing two very valuable players there. But listen, it's, it's, it's concerning. It's concerning. And I think there's so much focus on the quarterback position at Georgia. It's kind of overshadowed what's going on, on that side and that Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, Glenn Schumann, all those guys, I mean, that's their baby. And and the product they have trotted out there for two and a half years has been damn good. And for whatever reason right now, it's not working. And they've got players. So they're going to have to make some adjustments or maybe some other guys get some opportunities. But I don't have the answer, but I will say straight up, it's concerning. Yeah, I see that. Um, and and obviously against explosive offenses, I think Georgia's in the same category as everybody else. It's very, very tough to to stop the Alabamas and the Floridas of the world. The Mississippi State game surprised me some. Um, I think some of it, like I said, is a credit to the execution of Mississippi State, but I also think some of it was the gimmick of Mississippi State. Georgia's so good at stopping the run 
that when teams basically can try to go in and and not run the ball, it kind of almost plays into Mississippi State's hands because when you've got a pass rush like Georgia has and you've got a run defense like Georgia has, um, you want to be quick. You want to get the ball out quick. You want to you want to nickel and dime them. And uh, Mississippi State did that to perfection. And I you know I, I was I definitely have my concerns and my doubts about Georgia's defense against really explosive offenses. Like if Georgia was, if something was to happen and uh, Clemson doesn't make the college football playoff and Georgia ends up matched up with Clemson in the Peach Bowl or something like that at the end of the season. I would have a hard time thinking Georgia's just going to come in and stop them and play great defense. I think Georgia's going to have to outscore them if it wants to win. Um, but I do think that the gimmick, gimmicky nature of that offense, and, and Kirby talked about it all week, how much do you want to change? How much do you want to do differently? Um, even compared it to kind of preparing for the triple option. Um, but I, I don't take as much from that game as I do the Alabama and Florida games. And I think you're probably looking for a bounce-back game or can anticipate a real big bounce-back game against South Carolina against an offense that that is more traditional and and doesn't really have big-time weapons on the outside outside of Shia Smith. Um, but I saw that Georgia defense play really well against Auburn and Seth Williams and, and Anthony Schwartz, and I saw that you know defense really come alive and play well against Tennessee. Um, I think that the run game and defense are going to eventually bounce back uh, and, and I think it's going to be as soon as this week. Uh, Kip, what, did, what was your assessment of the defense? Was there anything that kind of went on that you were just like, didn't expect that to happen? Well, you know, even though you know, we've mentioned that obviously not having Jordan Davis, not having Julian Rochester out there, I mean, it's a different look. And a lot of the time, Georgia had three down down linemen, really, really two. It was two normal down linemen and basically an outside linebacker with his hand on the ground, I think, most of the time. And, I mean, what really caught my eye is just the defense was playing off. And, you know, whether it's – it's not lack of effort, but just lack of aggressiveness. They weren't jumping routes. They weren't playing tight coverage. And, I mean, they look confused. It's, it's, it's tough when you see guys who are – you know, seniors out there confused with what's happening. And you saw that with, you know, Monty Rice and Mark Webb. There was some miscommunication there in a couple plays. And really, it's – I guess the one thing that kind of stood out is Tyreek Stevenson is, is kind of continued to struggle in coverage. And he's kind of – you know, him and Mark Webb, it seems like they're more suited for, you know, more of a – I don't want to say linebacker, but just more – playing toward the center and, and you know, playing in, in the true passing uh, down situations, not being, line, you know, not having to line up, uh, you know, whether it's in the slot or, or you know, playing in coverage. You ha- you're going to have to put yourself in situations where, you know, they're not going to hurt you in coverage because it just seems like that's that's what's happened several times in this game. And, and really, I mean, you got to credit Mike, Mike Leach and his game plan because – I mean, getting the ball out quickly and limiting Georgia's ability to to put any pressure on the quarterback. I mean, it was it was a great way to you know optimize uh, the skill sets that his guys had. And Georgia's going to have to go to a, a scheme or, or a playing style that allows them to play much faster because they just were not 
able to utilize the speed they have on defense. And it just looked like they were playing on their heels most of the game. And so even whenever Georgia tried, you know, some blitzes, they weren't really effective early on. I think in the second half they were able to, I mean, they came out and played more aggressive, but they played tighter uh, coverage. And I mean, the results were, were much different than they were in the first half. There's reason for concern overall. I know that Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning put a huge emphasis on Havoc plays. Uh, Georgia's uh, secondary hasn't really been able to, to live up to that the its side of the bargain in that area. I mean, even pass breakups. They, you know, the last three, four games, they haven't really been able to make a lot of plays in the ball. Even when the personnel changing, you know, you have too much talent on defense to to be able to allow the the teams to get the chunks of yardage that they're able to get in in the underneath passing game. Uh, so I, I think tighten that up. That that's a huge thing. That they, they're going to have to play tighter coverage, and they're going to have to play. I mean, they can't play off the ball that much, and, and not expect teams just to, you know, to to move down the field on them. Just if you're going to give them that much, then they're going to take it every single time. So I, I think uh, I liked what I saw whenever they had uh, Stokes, uh, Campbell, and DJ Dangle on the field together. I thought that was a good look. Uh, seeing DJ Daniel out there more, uh, I thought that was encouraging as well, and I thought he did a pretty good job out there. So I think moving forward, you know, if he's if this is it for him, I, I think he's earned the right for more playing time. And I mean, I think he's earned a chance also to think about, you know, maybe being able to potentially come back and and put yourself in a, an even better situation draft wise next year. I don't know if he would do that, but. He, sh he showed me enough on Saturday to where I think, you know, he's got an opportunity to, to play more down the stretch. All right, let's talk about these receivers. And, uh, you know, I did, that performance by Jermaine Burton, uh, you know, four catches for over 40 yards. Uh, JT Daniels, I think, had six, six completions of 25 yards or more. Uh, Four wide receivers had a catch of 25 yards or more. Pickens, Burton, Kiaris Jackson, and uh, Demetrius Robertson, who low-key had a pretty good game, uh, Demetrius Robertson did, especially that one catch down the sideline, helped Georgia run a little clock and, and turn that into one final drive for Mississippi State, even though they shot themselves in the foot later on in that drive. But I take away from this game Jermaine Burton. And, you know, I wrote uh, yesterday – that he's a guy that George has been waiting around for for a while because he's not Miko in terms of speed, but he brings that element. And he's not Riley Ridley in terms of 50-50 ball and route running, but he's got that ability. And he's not the biggest guy out there, but he's big. And, and he's, he's able to win those 50-50 battles. And he's showing some of that Terry Godwin-like sure-handedness and when you put all of that together, it reminds me of like a Malcolm Mitchell or, or a Tavares King type guy, Rusty, that can do it all. And I think Georgia has really needed that do-it-all type wide receiver. And, you know, I, I don't want to put lofty expectations on him and, and say, yeah, he's going to be a two-time thousand-yard receiver or anything like that. I felt like we were maybe being unfair to George Pickens prior to the season by doing that. But he, he can be – an Amari Cooper-like presence. Maybe maybe won't be as good. Maybe he's better. I really don't know. 
but that all around he can he can beat you in so many different ways to the point that a defensive coordinator can't just say, okay, well, we're going to do this and this and take him out of the game plan. You've got to give him more attention. And I think that's something that this 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 uh, offense has really needed because when you've got a George Pickens, a jump ball guy, 50-50 ball guy, an outside guy only basically, I think it's a little easier to deal with than a guy who can just beat you in so many different ways. And Jermaine Burton really kind of flashed that to me. Uh, against uh, against Mississippi State, do you see anything similar to that, Rusty? Yeah, I mean, I, listen. When you look at, and I've covered Jermaine since he was a freshman. Uh, I think both you guys might have still been in, involved with that. Uh, Hateville Charter, never forget going down there. If you ever been to Hateville Charter, the practice field is straight dirt. It's incredible. It's like leaning to the side. There's no lines. They're just out there. They got a chalk piece for like or a cone for every ten yards, but. You know, you look at Jermaine Burton and you look at Pickens and you look at all these guys. I will say this, Jake, you probably may have the count, but I think I saw Aaron Smith on two plays. The one play was definitely intended for him because they jumped him. As soon as he came off the line of scrimmage, it was a straight shot out of a cannon. It was going to be a bomb. No question, but JT looked it off and checked it down, and he did the right play there. Uh, but just watching him take off, you see that explosion so, as Georgia fans and what you're talking about here, they start looking toward the future and looking at these guys. You see, um, you, you you see, I mean, you see some dudes, man. I mean, and that Kip brought it up too. You know, some of the quotes after the game with JT Daniels. You start seeing some of this stuff, and you know, the comment he made about, you know, why recruit these guys if you're not, you know, we're going to use them. So, um, it's 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 hard to not be excited if you're a Georgia fan to look out and see what you see, but those guys, what they did tonight, making plays, um, Pickens early got involved in the game early. He was blocking, doing all this kind of thing. Everybody may have not have watched the game yesterday. I know Kip did. When you watch Julio Jones, Julio made a tremendous catch on third down. The next play, he knocked the freaking defensive end down on a run play. And at Georgia, if you're going to play, you're going to be physical. And not everybody's that alien that Julio is, whatever how big he is, is, is phenomenal. But it's that effort he gives, and you're going to have to do that at Georgia. And I saw a lot of that. I watched a lot of that on Saturday. I watched these guys blocking. Uh, they were very engaged. So, you know, talking about all this stuff with the wide receivers, you got to be excited for Georgia because I know people are desperate for a, uh, a vertical passing game at Georgia. And, you know, right now, after a game with JT Daniels and seeing what he does, and he puts it out there. I mean, he lets his guys make plays. Again, there was two balls that were they were underthrown. I mean, they were flat out underthrown. Uh, and his wide receivers came back and made a play. And that's what – that you see that a lot. you got you got to let your playmakers make plays for you. But um, it's hard not to look at that game on Saturday night on the offensive side of the ball with a passing game and not be excited. Yep. Any uh, any uh, opinion there on the? Uh, I got dogs barking in the background, but any uh, any opinion there on on Jermaine Burton and, and the receiving core and, and kind of how it stepped up in a big situation? Yeah, I mean Burton was a guy that we talked about on the show coming into the season. We thought that you know he was kind of set up to to have a big year. Obviously, not having Dominic Blaylock out there uh, kind of put him in you know in a, in a an opportunity for a bigger role, and, and he. He'd made some plays during the year, hadn't really put it all together. And this was kind of that, that breakout game for him. 
the one thing that always stands out to me about Jermaine Burton, he's, I mean, he, he's not a guy that's going to, I don't, I don't know what his 40 time is. You know, I don't know what he's going to run down the road. That's, you never really, he never really looks like he's running at full speed. He always just looks like he's, you know, he's just kind of gliding down the field. He's got that. And I, this is kind of an insult to ever say this about a guy, but he's got deceptive speed. He's a lot faster than, than maybe what his time speed would lead you to believe because uh, of just how intense he plays. He attacks defensive backs. You know, he he attacks them, you know, at his break point. And a lot of times he'll gain a yard or two in separation just by, by how aggressively, how violently he is as far as coming in and out of his breaks. And, and I think that, that mentality is impressive for a player that young. And I think that he's got good body control as well. And it just, it brings me back to, you hope that Marcus Rosemey Jackson, you know, we, we think he should be able to come back and, and, and get right back into it. Dominic Blaylock, again, having, you know, the year to hopefully come back to form as well. And then, you know, Arian Smith continuing to develop. You put those guys together with with a guy like Jermaine Burton and George Pickens. I mean, Kendall Milton, you know, Darnell Washington. You, you have all the pieces there for a dynamic offense. And so, like Rusty said, uh, fans have wanted to see the offense perform at, at the level that George is capable of. You've seen other teams with these, you know, incredible offenses be able to you know, win championships. I mean, all the pieces are there. The recipe is there for Georgia to be able to to feel exactly that next year. And that's why these next three games, again, all their goals for this year, you know, they don't have that opportunity to, you know, play for the SC championship, uh, you know, get in the playoff, but they still have the chance to develop toward the ultimate goal and, I mean, you look at the impressive seasons in, in recent years, they've come from fourth-year quarterbacks. I mentioned that in the other show. I mean, for that's kind of been that part of that recipe for a historic offense is having a guy with experience. And JT Daniels is able to continue playing like he did on Saturday. I mean, he's got to put more games on the resume. He has developing. He still has to do as well. And he's probably not going to throw for that many yards in every game, but he he has the ability to, and he has the ability to continue to get better. And, and that, I mean, that should still have fans excited for, for the future might hold. Because I, I, again, I think everything's there, everything that you would want uh, for Georgia to be able to have an offense. It's one of the best in the country. And I think, I mean, if anything, Saturday's performance, I mean, it's against the Mississippi state team that we've already said, had what less than 50 scholarship players out there. So let's see him do it, you know, for the next one, hopefully three games left in the season and and go from there. And if he can continue to be play at that consistent level, then I mean, I think everyone should be put on notice that Georgia could have a really, really good group next year. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it's and there are a lot of bodies, there are a lot of there's some depth. Um there's there's a lot of the check off a lot of the boxes. Some guys check off more than others, and um, it, there there should be some excitement there. And Georgia has a chance to grow uh, this Saturday against South Carolina uh, at South Carolina. Uh, Georgia won two in a row there, and uh, Gamecocks are kind of reeling a little bit. Another 
another chance for kind of JT Daniels to to get some experience under his belt and and to build some momentum going into next year. We'll learn about the Vanderbilt game time today and and uh, hopefully get some information on when that Missouri game will be made up if it'll be made up um, and 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 all of that stuff coming in the near future. Uh, but you know for now, uh, listen, and I made this point earlier today. Um, wasn't a pretty game Saturday night. Uh, Georgia should have beaten Mississippi State more than it did. Should have beaten it. You know, should have played better football. Should have ran the ball better. Should have played better defense. But it won because it punched with its left hand for for the first time in in a while. And uh, that's something I think is a step in the right direction. Wrote a story about that uh, over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. Come check it out. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. That's all we got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.